The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of The Good Place, Seasons 3 and 4, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings of this TV show. Joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken and Mike Denz. Last time on Secrets of Movies and TV Shows, we discussed Season 3 of The Good Place, and if you haven't yet listened to that episode, please be sure to do that first. But now, we continue with our discussion of Season 4, how it ended, and our overall thoughts on the whole series of The Good Place. So let's so let's move to that then. So we now we're uh, to the fourth oh, season. We you, got a little mini series to talk about though. Right. Because be, between the third and fourth season, they released a series of short webisodes. It was a six-part series uh, called The Search, The Selection. The selection. Yes. And it's all set in the bad place. And it's Sean and the other demons trying to figure out who are the who should we send into this experiment now that we have this choice that the judge has given us. Right. And it's about how they come up with the idea because originally they're thinking, oh, serial killers. But they know they can't do that. Yeah. And so um, they eventually come across the idea of let's send the worst people for our protagonists. And so you can watch this on the YouTube channel uh, and it's also on Amazon streaming and stuff like that. So you got a little extra bonus six part miniseries to set up season four. Yeah, they're like 10 minutes or so each. They're they're not very long or or less. Yeah. And some of them are kind of like funny tangents, like the 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 one where they had to decide their takeout order for their meeting where they're going to be deciding things. And they like, of course, being demons, they order like all these gross things and. It's it's yeah it's funny uh it, it's it's and you just see Sean at his demon worst yeah and it's also more it's like Mad Men in yeah. hell again because they're <laughs> yeah. they're it's this icky nineteen early sixties evil office environment and they're <laughs> right. you know cruel to each other and stuff by the way one thing that and I don't know if I mentioned this in our previous podcast but one of the things I find hilarious about the bad place is the insults. Because being demons, they're constantly insulting people. Right. But they're the lamest insults. I mean, you know, they'll like call someone jerk face or something. Yeah. This is childish, you know, grade school level insults. Ding dong. Yeah. Ding dongs. Yeah. Things (laughs) like that. And and it's like not what a real demon would come up with because a real demon being smart would be able to come up with much more effective insults than calling someone a ding dong. It would be like. (laughs) Did you know that most of the people who are associated with you don't believe that you are as smart as you personally think you are? Oh, ouch. You know, it's like (laughs) because just name calling is not creative insults. Yes. And I love how banal the insults are. (laughs) Right, right, right. That is true. So um, we we start with the, the season four. And Eleanor's welcoming the humans. But meanwhile, all, we should point out that all of the other people in this good place neighborhood are Janet's quote unquote Janet babies, children. Right? She, she's running them. There, she's she's a she's a machine of of a sort, not a robot. But <laughs> as she says, but all of the she has all of these iterations of herself that look different and act different that she's running too. And so she's she's taxing the CPU. Tax, Right, yeah, right, right. She her bandwidth is 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 pretty much tapped with all yes. the people she has to control. So and so we have we then we meet Brent, the entitled male chauvinist who treats everybody horribly. Uh, he, he treats Janet like she's his personal assistant, like she's been assigned personal assistant. Right, right. <laughs> and then uh, Linda, who's an old woman who seems to be uninterested in everything. She's just yeah. Blah. And we re- we retread a lot of ideas for 
cool things in The Good Place that we saw at the beginning of season one, which were originally designed to like torture Eleanor and the others. It's like, oh, it's flying day. We're all going to have the power of flight for four hours. But Eleanor doesn't get to do it for one reason or another. And and so the, the new lady, the little old lady is like they're trying to get her to be excited about being in the afterlife. So she'll be emotionally engaged and want to improve. But it's like, okay, it's flying day. Don't you want to do that? And she she just like hovers six inches off the floor. It's like, it's nice. (laughs) She's like the the worst grandma ever. You know, she's just (laughs) bored grandma. Bored grandma. Uh, Well, what happens is we find out that Lynn, I'm sorry. And then the fourth, it ends up, they, uh, is uh, that's no, that's is, Linda. She she's the fourth. fourth. We have we have uh, John, the gossip columnist, Simone, the neuroscientist, oh, yes. uh, Brent, the businessman and bored grandma. But what we find out is that bored grandma Linda is really a demon in disguise that Sean has snuck in there to mess with them. Yeah. Now, as punishment to the bad place for tampering with things, uh, the judge decides that Cheedy would be the fourth human for the test which is we see, think is good for our our soul squad because Chidi's already shown that he's can morally improve so that's that's great we've we we already have one bringer right and, and he helped the first group improve and so obviously he's a great person to have in the second group to help them improve <laughs> right now meanwhile Eleanor is struggling with the idea that she has to lead this she doesn't think she's a good leader she doesn't she has no self confidence and Michael eventually uh, describe uh, de- um, he, fe- he fesses confesses. up, that, or she susses out, and he yeah. fesses up that that panic attack was not real. Right, that was to put her in the leadership position, and Michael did it because he thinks he's being not being a human himself. He doesn't fully understand humans, and there's so much writing on this. He wants someone in charge of the experiment who does understand humans, and that needs to be a human. And Eleanor is the best leader of the group. And she proves it by first convincing Brent that um, that there's a better place or best place, but better than the good place that he's that he's trying to get into. Yeah, he could. You could get into that best place if you if you do some good deeds. <laughs> right, right. Like so. I mean, he's already dead in the afterlife, but she's trying to convince him that there's a bet that and that's sort of motivates Brent for a while. Uh, and then she has Cheedy connect with Simone as his soulmate because Simone's problem is that Simone believes that this is all she doesn't believe in an afterlife and that everything she's experiencing is just a trick of her dying brain. And and so yeah. she treats everything as if it's not real. And, and that and that leads to some real comedy because she gets to behave very inappropriately, <laughs> not not meaning in a morally lewd way or anything right. but just she breaks all kinds of social conventions <laughs> right. um you know like acting like a clown and stuff like that in inappropriate situations uh because she doesn't think any of this is real and Chidi essentially does what i would do in that situation which is pascal's wager her yes i mean i can't prove to you that this isn't all a hallucination but it's a it's a if it is, it's a hallucination that keeps asserting itself and you don't know for a fact that it's not a hallucination. So given that you're going to slip into treating it like it's real anyway, and given that if it is real, you're being a really obnoxious to everyone around <laughs> you, just be nice. It's <laughs> not going to hurt anything. Right. Now, I have to tell you, the funniest moment in the entire series occurs around this point of the fourth season. Uh, In your opinion. Uh, I think it's an objective reality. (laughs) (laughs) So what I think is the funniest point. So Chidi is given for his afterlife, in which I think it would be like mine. His idea of a great afterlife is he has this room full of every book he'd ever want to read. And he can call any book to himself just by holding out his hand and requesting it sort of like Wait, Thor. Thor. Yeah. yeah. Thor in his hammer. So at one point he's, he's outside with everybody and he requests a book and then he gets distracted and we have this whole scene of things happen. And then suddenly at the end of the scene, we think the scene's over. All of a sudden the book flies in from off stage, smacks him in the head and knocks him out. And I, I was so unexpected and funny. I just died laughing. I watched it like 10 times in a row, laughing more and more each time. I love that, that scene. I, I love the physical humor, but it, it was so funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
So meanwhile, <laughs> all the clever, uh, crafty, amazing, intelligent writing in this, and it's a book flying out of nowhere where you didn't expect it. That got yeah, done. exactly. It's, okay. it's, I, I have lowbrow humor. Let's just let's get, <laughs> no, get out of the way. It, it works. It, there's humor on multiple levels. <laughs> yes, yes. I just wanted to talk about Brent just a little bit more, yeah. and I realize that you 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 said basically what he is, but the the, the humor of 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 Brent is that he unlike. Eleanor, who really right away says, I don't belong here. Um, and they set up. Um, oh, yeah, it's great because he's like, I don't belong here. I think I belong somewhere better. Yeah, yeah. And, and <laughs> yeah. Jason, they, they they introduced him in the first season as a monk, uh, which was brilliant right. because he couldn't talk, which really hid the fact that he was so stupid. <laughs> yes. and, 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 but Brent, he he really thinks he belongs there. He thinks he's the, the best thing since sliced bread. And no matter what neurotic, horrible thing he does, it's, 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 it, to him, it's, this is good. And it reminds me of an episode in Frasier when Niles and Frasier go to this spa and they find out while well, they're in the spa that there's a gold door. And why can't <laughs> we go in the gold door? They love the spa. Everything's great. But when they see the gold door, they're like, well, we should be able to get in the gold door. Well, what's in the gold door? And then once they get in the gold door, they're so happy because it's so amazing. But then they see a platinum door. <laughs> so the same thing is done to Brent with this idea of there's a better place, you know, and if you just we can make him dissatisfied with what's going on here. If we just tell him there's a better place, which is just brilliant. And, and it reminded me of that Frasier trick they did with the, the spa. Well, um, it's kind ahead. of and I don't want to I don't want to jump too far ahead. But put a pin in that because this is kind of related to how the season eventually ends. Mm -hmm. This idea of the better thing makes me happier with your, or at least more willing to, to try to attain more for myself. But just we'll put a pin on that and come back to that. But yeah, that's a good point you're making there. So there's various complications in helping people improve, but ultimately most of them do. Uh, Tahani and John, they uh, go to us. Actually, they go to a spa together and they yep. and they <laughs> and they realize that even though they were on opposite sides of the velvet rope at like premieres and stuff. Right. They both secretly felt alone and 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 vulnerable. And, and that's they how they acted over that. Right. And so John apologizes for all the terrible things he said about Tahani and she accepts that and they're reconciled. Um, and uh, similarly, uh Simone has has grown more compassionate as well now that she stopped treating the afterlife as if it's an illusion and she's being rude to everybody. And um but then there are complications because at one point uh to how Chidi has gotten so relaxed that he needs to be challenged to engage. And so Jason, like he did in the first season with Eleanor, confesses to Chidi, I'm not really a monk. I don't belong here. There's been some horrible mistake. And you need to promise not to tell anybody, which is like <laughs> going to drive Chidi crazy. Because yes. he's going to think he's lying to people by pretending that Jason is really a monk. And um, a Buddhist monk, by the way. And so that gets Chidi reengaged. But then John, the gossip colonist, discovers that Chidi is not a monk. And Jason is not a monk. Yeah, Jason's not a monk. And that's going to drive John crazy because he's a gossip colonist. (laughs) Of course, he wants to tell people this bit of juicy news. Right. He doesn't. And so he also grows morally. The one who's not growing morally is Brent. Right. Businessman. And I, I, they, when the year is up, they're getting desperate because Brent has not grown. And the others are so annoyed with Brent. I mean, he's done things that push them away, like writing a a cheap novel that glorifies him, but makes them look bad. A chip driver Um, mystery. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, he's done a Romana Clef. He's just changed everybody's name. Yeah. This is like what he secretly thinks of everybody. And that's driven everybody away. And so they do another callback to the first season where there was a giant sinkhole. And so they they let him fall into a giant sinkhole to see if the others will rescue him and thus rally them as a group to get, you know, uh, more more good points. And only Chidi does. John and Simone walk away. Right. And and uh, John. 
Brent is is offended by that. He has not grown morally. But just as the experiment is ending, in like the last half second, he starts to apologize to Chidi. Yes. And then everybody freezes because the experiment is over. Now, I, you know, this show has modern sensibilities on on things in ways that are not always to its favor. One of the things I think is an example of that is this guy the white old guy is yeah. the one who doesn't improve. Right. You know, I, I, I think that would be, that, that was a deliberate selection on the part of the, uh, of the creators. And I think it's, I think it is deliberately meant to play into modern sensibilities. It, it ever since, you know, actually really the sixties, but especially beginning in the seventies, the father figure in TV shows is the buffoon. Right. You know, I mean, compare Marge and Homer Simpson or you watch advertisements. The wife is the smart one and the husband right. is the stupid one or every and, sitcom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or yeah. every sitcom. And 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 this is this is Hollywood chauvinism. Um, right. It's and so this is an aspect of the series that I don't like. I think they should have let Brent improve alongside everybody else. Treat everybody the same. He, he also represented. uh uh, stereotypes, uh, false stereotypes, but stereotypes of conservative men. I mean, like, yeah. he's successful at business and and just kind of labeling him with all the different types of things that people will relate to somebody who is conservative, whether it's politically or religiously or whatever, um, that aren't true, um, so that he can't get better. And as you said, he's the white guy yeah, yeah. Uh, as well. So that's, but I looked at it more of like, He's he's a businessman, so obviously he's there's no way he's going to get any better. He's he's successful, and and right, that's not good. Right, yeah, I, that that bothered me too a little bit because you know I there's a whole lot of talk in these days in in general in entertainment about you know seeing myself in you know for for people to see representation. Yeah. Well, the only representation I see is people like Brent. <laughs> a lot of uh, not only, <laughs> yeah. but very well, often he's, he's he's clearly meant to be someone that will represent a good chunk of the audience and yeah. he's the only one who doesn't get to improve right and he's and that, just he's just the hate object i mean what i say to hollywood is if you want if you think that you know conservative white men are bad show them ways to be that them becoming better <laughs> not you see how bad you are you're never going to get better that doesn't help people improve you know uh, and yeah I, I i'm with you jimmy i don't want to belabor that too much but but it is a yeah. really good point that 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 is that is a a, a really a, a fault in this in the series that they did that uh, it also so, betrays mm -hmm. a, a with the the point system the, the the at this point he's improved but has he improved enough to get over the hump. And I, at this point, I was thinking how different this is from Christian thought, which is, right. and we'll get more into this in a bit when we look at the series as a whole, but just the, the turn is enough with, with, you know, with Christ, it's the, I just asking for forgiveness of Christ is enough to change things around. And this is no, you've, you've gotten a little better, but you know, Oh, you've got to make up for all the bad things you've done. You've got to do a lot well, more. And they actually, so when they announced the results of the experiment, everybody improved except uh, Brent, and he actually he he lost points over the course of the experiment. Right, and he just had this teeny little uptick right at the end. But they use that to argue that there's hope even for someone like Brent, and the and therefore the point system needs to be revised, and humanity needs to be given another chance. And Judge Jen agrees mm -hmm. and therefore she's going to reboot the entire universe and let humanity <laughs> evolve all over again so everybody is going to be dead so you're gonna to have to wait a couple uh, like was it four billion years or something they tell like sean you're not gonna be able to torture anybody for the next four billion years uh yeah. which which is a bad thing and you know there's a there's a michael's argument is that humans have a capacity for self-improvement even after death and I, I was thinking, like, that sort of reminds me of the whole uh, parable of Lazarus and the rich man. You know, the whole uh, uh, the rich man has this 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 self-improvement where he wants to go send, have Lazarus go back and tell his brothers to, to, to make it into the into heaven. And I, I just thought that was kind of an interesting idea that this show looks at that it's possible to improve after death, whereas it really isn't. You are who you are at the moment of your judgment. 
But I, I, it's kind of an interesting way of looking at it because the the new system they pr- they propose is that every human that dies will be subjected to a personalized test of moral development in the afterlife. And they're allowed to go through it as many times as needed. And some of them may right. never improve. But right. so they'll they essentially and this is a com- this is a solution proposed by Cheedy and eventually Sean and Michael agree to it. Right. Uh Sean just because he wants to keep torturing Michael. Right. This will let him keep doing that. Yeah. Um, so he's not being altruistic at all. But the proposal is basically we run every human being who dies from here on out through season one as many times as needed for them to get into the good place. And some of them may never get there. They may remain stuck in season one with this set of personalized challenges in the afterlife that are kind of like torture, but also may help them improve morally. So it's kind basically of- purgatory. Yeah, isn't this the part where Chidi remembers everything? They bring him yes. back to the complete, yeah. You know, yeah. his complete self of all his different lives that he's led, and and he's now this guru because of all his experience, and he's no longer indecisive, and he's able to come up with his plan, right, uh, to do it. And and I just I don't want to forget the judge who's played by Maya Rudolph. Yeah, brilliant. She's, she's fun. Yeah. yeah, she's she's like this great comedy relief because she's this ultimate power. And she's a goofball who's actually, as much as she's like, I'm going to reset everything. She's obsessed with all the, you know, the the lesser things of Earth. She loves like, to binge watch TV, and 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 she's obsessed with certain actors and stuff. And how Timothy Elephant, yeah. She she binge watch watches Netflix and, yeah. and has crushes on some of the male actors. Yeah, yeah. So it's like you know, she's. I mean, yeah. It's it's she's played great, and I mean, and she's not. I mean. I'm, I, when I go through this, the absence of a God character is obvious, but there are certain right. people that are given the God qualities, and she seems to be one of them, you know, the, the closest thing to God that we have, even though she's not. Um, but more like a know, Greek her personality God. and her interests <laughs> are nowhere near, you know, God, yet she just happens right. to have this power that she can wield yeah, because she's the judge. Different people, since there is no God that we're presented with in this series, um, different people have different godlike powers. Yeah, and, like, Jan- like Janet is is very much kind of like a godlike character, even though she's not even a person. She's right. able to do anything pretty much, and she knows everything. Janet is omniscient and can create stuff out of nothing. Yeah, the judge gets to decide people's fates. Michael is 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 an initial person who's sort of a a god surrogate as the architect of the neighborhood. Right, and so they all have different a different a different aspects of divinity to them it's really like one of the ancient pantheons the romans the yeah. greeks the you know Assyrians. it's a it's a pantheon of people who share in these godlike powers in various forms so uh, and one of the things with this new system is is as people go through that 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 process of how many of the times they, before they can improve enough they retain a little bit of knowledge of their previous times through which feels like a a little voice in your head, uh, i.e. a conscience, to help them along to keep improving. The same way our characters re- retained their subconscious knowledge of the yeah. afterlife in at the beginning of season three. And so as a reward for having fixed, basically fixed the afterlife, the, the four Soul Squad are given this opportunity to go to the good place. They get in, which... In, in another show, this would be the end of the series. They get in and we don't get to see the good place. Yeah. And before we go there, um, I wanted to mention that, you know, there's there's an additional complication after the judge agrees to the new plan. They've got to sell the demons on it. Right. And a lot of the demons have trouble with this. Um, and even once they accept, OK, this is how it's going to be now. We're going to be playing these torturers. They're having trouble figuring out how to torture people in subtle ways that will help them morally improve. <laughs> right. I mean, it's just they, they want to go straight for the physical torture stuff. And it's actually Vicky, who is a long term. And we've been seeing other demons improve and bad Janets improve. Right. Um, so it wasn't just Michael who improved. We skipped bad- over when they had all the Janets hiding something from the judge, the so she couldn't eliminate the the whole universe, universe. Re- reset yeah. clicker. So yeah, because yeah. she wasn't she was going to reset it to begin with. Then she changed. They they convinced they, her not to. 
played keep away yeah. and and so the the some of the demons like there's the little nebishy guy uh glenn who's sean's assistant glenn yeah. he he comes around and bad janet comes around and vicky comes around right and she is actually really good at helping the other demons see how to help humans improve through subtly presenting them with challenges right and um and and michael is actually threatened by that and starts pouting and childishly trying to cut her out and stuff <laughs> but eventually he gets over it and so vicky is now on board and playing a productive role right in fact he he, he lets her stage a coup against him to assume leadership of this whole project and <laughs> in letting her believe that she 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 did the demon thing and took over when he kind of just let her and so so then they everyone it's announced everyone gets into the good place and they get in a balloon, which is previously a method that they fake got into the good place with. Or right. As part of the torture or actually it's a little after that. But now for reals, they get to go up in a balloon into the good place. And that's where the series could end. But doesn't should have ended. <laughs> but doesn't. Yes. So here's yeah th this is the last couple episodes that uh, of this of this series. They get to the good place. They meet the Greek philosopher Hypatia and uh played by um Phoebe from Friends. <laughs> and everyone in the good place, they find out because there hasn't been a new person in the good place remember for 521 years. Everyone there has become a happiness zombie as they they say. Uh, an eternity of perfection has led to boredom. Everybody has done everything good, and now we're just sort of zombies, happy zombies, w wandering around. And so their solution to this is to invent an oblivion door. When you get tired of the of eternity, you can walk through this door, and you cease to exist. You're gone. Just poof. The, the, the Phoebe character, who Chidi was so excited to meet. Yes. Um, I forget her name again. Hypatia. But... Yeah. Sure, but she, she's she, called she's, Patty in this. Yeah, yeah. she's she's uh, deteriorated because she's become so bored. Uh, her great intelligence and everything has kind of turned to mush, and she's uh, nothing like Chidi thought she was going to be because of this. And that's part of the motivation. Like, look what happens to people like this right. uh, when they're left in the good place for too long. And the and the point of the Oblivion Door is not just to simply end it all, but they 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 justify it by saying. It, the lack of having to strive for anything me, makes life, you know, including the afterlife of perfection, makes it boring and de and, and degrades yeah. us. And therefore, ha having this option of, of oblivion makes living better. And, and it's knowing that this state will never improve and also will never end. Yeah. That's that's making people have ennui. And so by having an end point now. So, oh, you mean I can leave this party when I get tired? Right. Oh, well, now that makes the party more interesting for me. So they, the Hypatia and others start reengaging, at least for a while, until they get bored. Right. And so we, we see our own four characters. They, they're going through uh, eternity and they do all the things that they want to do and the it, and they they say the good place is having enough time with the people you love that's sort of like the the foundation and then and, eventually and everything's measured by that guy's name i forget what his Jer name jeremy baramy jeremy yeah jeremy baramy's how we've gone through so many jeremy baramy's right right and so you figure it's like some sort of eternities where you know you've <laughs> yeah. read every book you've visited every place you've you've done everything uh and interestingly the first person who's ready to go is Jason. He's the first one ready to go through the door. When he plays the perfect NFL, Madden NFL game. <laughs> yes. He's played it perfectly. Yeah. Uh, the perfect game, finally. And so that's... He's got nothing more to accomplish. Yeah. yeah. And so he and Janet go to the, the door, and he's got this necklace he wants to give everybody. He lost it on the way. And the, the door is like this gateway through these trees, uh, which makes me creepy walking in the forest now, walking between <laughs> trees. I'm, I don't want to walk between the wrong two trees. <laughs> but... Uh, and so Janet leaves him there. The funny thing is, is 
Jason doesn't actually go through the door at this point. He he spends he, like he another the necklace. Yeah, he spends like the like another eternity looking for the necklace in the woods that he dropped. Yeah, <laughs> skipping rocks on lakes and just you know yeah. becoming a monk basically, which was the irony of the whole thing. Then it's Chidi who gets bored, and no, actually before that, it's yeah. um no it's Tahani. Tahani. Yeah. And she is getting ready to go through the door. And at the last minute, she gets a purpose. She decides she says she's a hostess. That's her training. And so she wants to become a good place architect. Even right. though she's a human, she wants to do what Michael and the others have been doing and help other people improve. So she finds a new purpose in the afterlife and goes off on that path. That's right. That's right. Also, Eleanor convinces Mindy St. Cloud, the miserable-ish dweller <laughs> of the medium place, right, to yeah. uh, to undertake moral renovation as well. So she, so we have closure on that. Also, Derek, the um, the, the uh, boyfriend that was created back in season two by Janet on the rebound. Yeah, um, he was actually here and had a bit of a rivalry at the beginning of season four and the end of season three with Jason because he was helping Janet make Janet babies. That's right. Um, yeah, not in not, the not way in the you might way. imagine. Yeah, not yeah. in the biblical sense. <laughs> no. But uh, but he he has now been he has annoyed Mindy St. Cloud so many times <laughs> and has been reset by her and evolved so many times that. He's now this like mystical glowing head figure. <laughs> That's right. with, an, with him, he's orbiting himself. Yeah. He's, he's, he's his own like solar system. Yeah. So, so uh, Chidi. So we come to the end is uh, we, where we have Chidi has decided that he's had enough. Um, he's perfectly happy, but he's really fulfilled. And Eleanor doesn't want to let him go. She fears abandonment. And so she starts trying to take him to places that he'll love to get, kind of keep giving him a purpose. And they, I think they actually filmed this in Greece and in Paris, as far mm-hmm. as I could tell. Nothing. I mean, th- these days you can create anything on a soundstage, you know, with special effects. But I, I kind of got the sense that they were actually at the Acropolis, where, of course, all yeah, the famous right. Greek philosophers were. And they were in Paris, uh, uh, where, you know, Jean-Paul Sartre was. And... Uh, and it, I, yet none I, of that. I wondered. I've been to the Acropolis, and I thought it looks smaller than I remember. Oh, maybe they went to the one at Disney World. Uh, <laughs> 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 but, but perhaps, perhaps. And uh, so I've never been. So you, I'll take your word for that one. Uh, but well, nothing I works. Be mistaken. Yeah, nothing works. And so she finally has to let Chidi go. And well. The the thing is, though, this is a moment of moral growth for her in, in, in a fairly subtle way, because Chidi is willing to stay for her. Right. And he's he'll be he'll he'll continue to have his relationship with her. He'll do everything to make her happy. But she's going to know he would rather go through the door in his heart, even though he's committed to uh, to making her happy, which is what love is. Right. But because. Wanting what's wanting the other person's good is what love is. She's grown to the point that she genuinely loves him and is willing to let him go. So she lets him go through the the door to oblivion and not exist anymore, which is a little. Uh, we'll get there. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get there. So, okay, okay, yeah, I, I, there's so much to say about that. But and so let's get to it. But and then finally, uh, Eleanor. Michael. Yeah, Michael. Can't use the door because he's a demon uh, or a fallen angel. Not not a human. <laughs> not a human. So Eleanor persuades the judge to let Michael become a human and live life on Earth so that eventually he can come to the good place and go through the door when he is ready. Um, and so he he Michael ends up on Earth living a perfectly ordinary life uh, in, in, I think, Phoenix, I think, or L.A. or something. Um, and then that leaves Eleanor ready to go and she goes through the door and disperses Dissolve, into little glowy dissolves bits dissolves into little glowy yellow glowy sparkly bits yeah and the in her sparkly solely bits uh rain down on earth and inspire a man to return a wrongly delivered letter to its intended recipient michael who thanks the man and tells him to take it sleazy and which was which, one of eleanor's callback yeah, classic. Because Michael, Michael had always fantasized about being a human and telling someone, take it sleazy, which <laughs> was always a cringe inducing line and is especially a cringe inducing <laughs> line as the final line of the series. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's what we like, learned. <laughs> yeah. So that now we so that's the series. 
let's talk about the, the, the co- this concept of the afterlife and the way it ended. Mm-hmm. The, the, this big thesis is what is the nature of life after death and how does our life here on earth affect that? And that's really what we're looking one, at. Real quick to something. Yeah. I, I, I'm excited to get to this as you are. Okay. But um, when we were, I wasn't sure if I should or should not talk about this when we brought it up, but when the demons were trying to learn how to help people become good by what they were doing, it, it was, I don't know how they stumbled upon it, but literally the writers stumbled upon exactly how God uses demons to help us become better by how they subtly tempt us, how it has to be more Mm -hmm. tricky and subtle and needle us just the right way. And so suddenly they weren't the bungling, they batted insulting demons that they were before, uh, which never would have worked because we would have just ran away from them. They were now the subtle demons that are described in Genesis, you know, Satan is the most subtle, uh, and how they were doing it. And I, it's interesting to me is, is that just something they stumbled upon because it's a truth or is it something that they actually, you know, figured out somehow? I don't, you know, I mean, I yeah. think it was a little bit of both, but mm-hmm. that was interesting to me how, how they did that. Also the principle that God this is speaking from a Christian point of view, God would not allow an evil like torture unless he had some way of bringing a good out of it, a greater good. So just like these demons are, they're intending to torture people, but really it's going to help them. Yeah. And and it doesn't, without a God figure in the story, they're, they're left with trying to make sense of certain things. Like why would these demons be interested in helping these people become good by doing it this way? Well, it's because it's a new plan. Okay. Then we have to do it that way, but that doesn't really, without a, without God, obviously a lot of this doesn't make sense. And that brings us to the problem of heaven without God or the good place without God. Yeah. And so this is a question, you know, it, it, any fiction is not the real world. Right. But there's not a problem. God doesn't have a problem with fiction depicting the world in a way other than it is. If he did have a problem with depicting the world in a way other than it is, Jesus would not have told parables. Right. Because when Jesus says there was a father with two sons, it is a mistake to ask, what were their names? <laughs> you know, Jesus is using a fiction to communicate something which contains a truth that he wants us to get. So when you have a fiction, you look at it and you say, OK, what are the good elements here? You don't expect it to correspond to the way the world is. So when I look at it, something like The Good Place, I say, OK, what elements of truth are here? And are there enough that I'm interested in watching it or reading it or listening to it or whatever the case may be? Um, But I don't expect it to be the way the real world is. Uh, Now, secretly, anytime I'm I'm reading or watching something and it and it makes it sound like there isn't a God, I always headcanon that is like, oh, yeah, there is. This is just this is yeah. okay, Azatoth and Cthulhu. But no, really, there's God. And this is this <laughs> yeah. is this is just something he's allowing or and this is not our world uh, or here in the good place. It's like, OK, this is another world. It's a parallel reality. But really, there's God. These people just aren't aware of it. And they're able to do this stuff in their little pocket universe. Right. Um. So that's my own headcanon is there's <laughs> always God, regardless of what parallel universe we're looking at. And then I look at, okay, we've got these demons here. And actually, they're technically they're not demons. In fact, when that first comes up, Michael says that term is racist, (laughs) Yeah, you know, which is a great line. But uh, I don't have to have the afterlife depicted the way it is in the real world. I don't have to have angels and demons depicted the way they are in the real world. The angels on Battlestar Galactica are not as good as real angels are. The demons on the good place are not as bad as real demons are. Right. It's fiction. I can accept it. Um, But that doesn't mean that the shape of the fiction doesn't impact the aesthetics of it for me. Because... um, And this really this really comes out... I mean, partly the aesthetics, like when you have a character acting a little too much like God, like the judge on, in various scenes, it's like, OK, this is I, I'm not liking the aesthetics of this. Even if I can pretend this is a parallel universe where she's got these powers that the true God has allowed her to have um, it still it gets uncomfortable for me. I enjoy it less. 
that happens in a big way in the ending because the, the really what you have here this is this is this is like uh this is sort of like buddhism where it's okay we have this eternal cycle of experiences that we eventually can get out of mm-hmm. and achieve nirvana and just kind of become floaty little energy bits or whatever I think there is a truth here in the episode, in the final two episodes. The truth is, at least arguably, it's the truth that a fallen existence like they have here in the afterlife, if prolonged, I mean, it's pleasant, but it's also fallen. People are not perfect. They're not wrapped in fields of endless joy and light, worshiping the source of infinite goodness or right. plugged into the source of infinite goodness, they have a finitely pleasant existence with fallen elements. And it's at least arguably true that if you had an infinitely long fallen existence without the source of infinite truth and meaning in it, you could get bored. Right. And and you could want to leave that. Um, that's at least arguably true. I'm not convinced that it's true, but... Thinking of an afterlife without God, without infinite goodness in it, how is that going to be satisfying for all eternity? You know, so I think they've actually done an arguably fair representation of what it would be like in the afterlife without God. You know, the idea people often will say, oh, if it's sitting around on clouds playing harps, that's not interesting. Yeah, that's just an image. (laughs) <laughs> it's really it's not going to be sitting around on clouds playing harps. It's going to be having the most amazing relationship ever with infinite goodness, which is inexhaustible and therefore will never become boring. Right. Well, if you if you're not depicting that as the afterlife, then arguably okay, yeah, people would get tired of it and want to leave and this is a reasonable depiction of an afterlife without God. So, I can accept it as a reasonable depiction of an afterlife without God that arguably has a truth that it's expressing, but I'm also disappointed by that because it's not the real afterlife, and it doesn't convey what the glory and majesty of being in touch with infinite goodness and knowing that you are infinitely loved and have and will be for all time and will never be exhausted or bored because there are always new adventures. Like C.S. Lewis says at the end of The Last Battle, all of the previous Chronicles of Narnia were just the title page of a novel. And now The real story is beginning where every chapter is better than the last and it never ends. That's what the real afterlife is going to be like. And by good by comparison, the good place's end leaves me flat. You know, if there's one thing that this series does for me, I mean, it's entertaining. I have to say that the series has has entertained me and it's been fun. Uh, But one thing it does for me, too, in addition to that, is it lets me see and somewhat understand the viewpoint of a lot of people about the life, death, and what comes after. This, mm-hmm. I think this represents the, the mindset or the, or the outlook of a lot of people. And it can be hard to imagine, like, what, you know, how, how, from a Christian point of view, how do you get through life without believing in a good God and an eternal happiness in the beatific vision? Uh, you know, how, does, how do you get through life like that? And this shows this is how people imagine it. This is what their ideal would be like is is heaven is like this life better, arguably. Um, and then at some point you get to end it, you know, and then there's, and there's nothing because that, that's because, uh, you know, the, uh, everyone realizes that would eventually get boring. And so we move on. And wow, that is an interesting insight into how a lot of people think. I actually kind of agree with Brent when he shows up and it's like, I expected something better. Yeah. And and that's true. It's just, uh, it, it, the real afterlife, if you get to heaven, it's going to be better than the good place. <laughs> right. <laughs> I saw, um, I, I mean, the last two episodes were my least favorite. I mean, there was funny parts to it, but yeah. it was hard for me to really get into it because it was so anti-human to me. The, first off, I, I, the, the idea that, well, I'm just would rather just be in oblivion once I get bored is so against human nature of, you know, no one wants to cease to exist. That's a primordial fear that right. is, helps us know that there is something more than this. You know, we all have that. 
Um, there also was elements to um, suicide. It, it was like, well, you can choose when it's time for you to just end. Yep. And mm-hmm. once you feel like you have nothing else to give or you're no more useful or whatever, you can just choose to end. And that's a good thing that everyone needs to celebrate. Um, and we'll have a party for it, and then you can just stop existing. And it, it was it was just full of a bunch of lies. I mean, it was just full uh, to me. It was mm-hmm. just it was just like very untruths uh, being expounded, especially in his last episode. Where no, this isn't good that these your friends are now ceasing to exist or going on to whatever. But that's the way I understood that they were basically going to be not exist anymore. Uh, and I was watching it with my daughter, you know, my my nineteen uh, year old daughter and my wife, and and we just kept on looking at each other like, this is dumb. Uh, this isn't natural. This isn't something that to be happy about. How can uh, these people be okay with being separated from each other and being separated from everything that matters? And it really did turn into a a navel gazing. It's all about me and when I'm ready to go and the heck with everybody else and how how they feel. Uh, which I think with, with what you, you were saying, Dom, that's, that's what it turned into really, a uh, just a reflection of what secular society thinks of the universe. Yeah. This is something, I mean, the suicide themes here, even though it's not suicide in the, in the, in the real world sense of killing your body. Um, yeah. but they, it is the same thing on a conceptual level. And it is at that point bucking human nature because we are programmed not to kill ourselves. And if you're properly functioning, you don't want to kill yourself. And by imagining this endless scenario of a of what really is a medium place, (laughs) it, 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 it. conveys the idea of you could get so bored. Suicide seems like a good option. And that is. That's just not artistically satisfying. What I was struck with um, is the hollowness of this as a secular afterlife. And it's and it's like, yeah, OK, this is about the best you could hope for out of a secular afterlife with no actual God, no actual source of infinite goodness. And it's hollow. It's empty. And this is what secularism has to the best secularism has to offer people. Mm. It, it's really that the, the uh, I mean, and from the Christian point of view, the way to heaven is heaven. You know, Jesus is the way and that way is loving, self-sacrificing. You know, you give yourself away. And once you perfect that, you know, you are a saint and you go right to heaven or you perfect it, you know, you get, uh, you get season one. Yeah, you know. <laughs> uh, but you then you get to heaven and you spend eternity doing what you learned to do on earth. What these people did in heaven was the the go back to basically being the losers, uh, navel gazing. It's all about me and what I can do to have fun and fulfill myself. That yeah. didn't have a lot to do with what they could do for one another. I mean, there were aspects of that, you know, with what Eleanor and, and what they were doing for each other and how she, you know, helped the that medium girl, you know, come and stuff. But for the most part, it was like, oh, I I've done this. You know, Tahani had her list; she was crossing off. It, it had nothing to do with loving others. It was just trying to make yourself somehow better from the world point of view. It no longer was forget about me and, and let's see what I can do for others. So that it, it just, it was such a lie that it was hard for me to even go to where you were, Jimmy, with, well, okay, I can see if there was no God and, you know, this is how it would be. And I can understand that, but it was just, it was mm-hmm. too unlike reality for me to yeah. really even try to get there you know and i've watched some right. weird science fiction stuff and <laughs> this is i i just couldn't get there with with what they were doing in these last two episodes yeah even though like i said even though i can find elements of truth in it that doesn't mean that the whopping elements of untruth in it don't cause it to become displeasant uh distasteful and unpleasant yeah right it, yeah it is a shame that it kind of it went there but yeah, I mean, yeah. It, if only they'd gone up in the balloon and we saw them arriving and it was brilliant and filled with light and love. And that was the end. Yeah. Something right. like something like Ghost with Patrick Swayze, you know, just to, well, <laughs> look at everybody's here and I get to go and it's wonderful. Whatever, her name, you know, it's wonderful, Demi. You can't wait to see you here. And that was it, which is where most of, you know, 
I understand, you know, the, the temptation to, well, let's explore it. No one ever does. You know, we always kind right. of leave it as this unknowing thing, which it really is. Uh, but they, you know, once they got there, they really, they really messed up. Yeah. I mean, the, sometimes, I, I wouldn't sometimes e- less is more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't expect Michael Shore, who has spent the last four seasons breaking every convention when it comes to making the TV show to, to not break that convention and to go, I mean, that would have been out of character for him to, 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 to not show us heaven and make it, make it seem as different than what is expected. I get that. It is disappointing. You know, one of the things I noticed is I, I see this chart of the on, on Wikipedia of the ratings over time. And every series mm-hmm. is like this where, you know, the if it's a good series, especially first season is really high and then it goes down from there. But uh, there are there are exceptions. X-Files picked up viewers for yeah. several seasons before it started declining. That's right. That's right. This one had a pretty steady decline. I mean, this last season was the the least watched of all four of them. And that's why it ended in this season, because he apparently had enough material to do at least five seasons, but they decided to cut it off because they could see cancellation was coming, given their low numbers. Yeah, that's that's a it's a shame in one sense, but I'm also glad they didn't drag it out because that, yeah. that, that would have that would not have been good either. Um, in fact, I almost felt as we got into this season, it's time to start wrapping it up. You know, that mm-hmm. that that, we, that they were start the things were starting to get a little long myself. Yeah, this the fourth season is definitely not my favorite. I'd I'd have to watch all four again to de- definitively rank them. I liked season one. I loved the end of season one. Yeah, I liked season two. I really liked season three. I don't uh, season four wasn't as engaging to me. I could have they could have done the same conceptual work and gotten to where they should have ended it in half the episodes they did. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's also people like um, uh, what was his name? I, I love I love this actor, um, Michael Malley, who played Jeff, who loved yeah. frogs. Yes, I mean, wh- oh, why yeah. is he satisfied with frogs? I mean, doesn't <laughs> that get boring? I mean, well, you know, and, and finally he gets a real frog, Mister Jumpy yeah. Legs or whatever he calls him. Yeah, you know, yeah. and, and I'm like, I, I thought, oh my gosh, he'd never had a real frog before, and now he can get, get a variety of real frogs. But you know, there was those inconsistencies as why is suddenly Dahani going to be fine, you know, as long as she's an architect, now she'll be happy with eternity, uh, you know. Well, for a few Jeremy Baramies, at least. <laughs> yeah, right. Until right. she decides I mean, we, to walk through the door again. I mean, we can't see everybody on the series walk through the door. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I like it's a nice moment when Tahani actually reengages and has a purpose because we will in the afterlife have purposes. It's not yeah. going to be sitting around on clouds playing harps. We're told we're going to rule you know, reign and rule with Jesus forever in the new creation. So we're going to have stuff to do um, and there will be meaning there. Mm-hmm. Also, I, I like the moment where Jeff get or the doorman gets the real frog because he, yeah, he yeah, is getting yeah. bored. He is getting bored with all the frog <laughs> mugs and dolls. And stuff. Yeah, the last <laughs> time we saw him, he's like, oh, oh well, real yeah. One. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Michael thinks he's going to name it after him. And, <laughs> yeah. Mr. Tony Legs. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, 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 there is so much that's clever in this show. The, the writing, just even in the, like, the, the names of all of the good place uh, stores, like every episode, they had a new set of names for those, you know, it, just every time you saw it. I mean, there was so much that was cleverly done. And as a, as a, you know, as a sitcom, it was it was very well, very well written in that sense. And and for a sitcom, this is not like a two set place. This is heavily intensively computer graphics. Yes, you know when the, with all the amazing stuff they do in the neighborhood, and the neighborhood folds up, and the neighborhood is recreated. And yeah, we have the inter, interdimensional hole of pancakes, weird version, and <laughs> the the architecture of the afterlife with the endless black void. We have Janet's white void. I mean, there's a ton of CGI going into this. So, you know, I'm I'm I I I can see why even on like USA or something, a really small network. Two million viewers by the end would be considered acceptable, not on the budget this involves. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Not to mention the star power. I mean, they had some pretty uh, good actors, you know, in it. Even oh, yeah. In parts, you know, that that's not cheap either. Oh, well, I like that uh, Mary Steen version shows up as uh, as Michael's guitar teacher. In, you know, at, at the end <laughs> yeah. of the fourth season, you, Mike Ted Danson's real wife. Nick Offerman shows up as himself. Teaching woodworking to Tahani because Nick Offerman is actually a really good expert uh, craftsman in woodworking. 
in real life. Um, also, T- Timothy Oliphant, one of the yes. actors that Judge Jin has a crush on, shows up <laughs> as a version of as a simulated version of himself to help sell her on the new plan. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You know, one of the things that we liked about the show when we talked about it in the first two seasons was how much philosophy is in this in this show. And uh, in fact, two of the philosophers that were philosophical advisors to the writers uh, show up in a philosophy class that Chidi is teaching. Um, Pamela Hieronymi and Todd May are both philosophers, and they show up as themselves talking to Chidi at, at one point. Um, but the philosophy that they that I mean, when when I I think I when I mentioned the show first first mentioned the show to you, Jimmy, I mentioned it's a sitcom about philosophy. <laughs> like, that is that that that's I thought that was interest Jimmy. It's a smart oh, show yeah. like that. It's it's a very smart show. And I, I I think there's not enough of that out there. I thought it was funny speaking of philosophers that at the last episode, um they were talking about the people that had gotten in and they mentioned Saint Thomas Aquinas. Yes. And, and that's it's like true. you called him Saint. Uh and uh, yeah. you know and now he was it was just uh and she was like, yes, he made it, you know. Um, it was just kind of weird. Kind of funny. And that was also one of the few mentions of any Christian philosophers, at least that I noticed. Yeah, they always actually they talk about uh, uh, Saint Thomas Aquinas in a bunch of episodes or yeah, a number yeah, of episodes, yeah. and it's always positive. Right, so, right. You at know, least that you know. I like that. I also like the references to real philosophical schools. So for people who may not know, that's what my academic training is in is in philosophy. Um, but I like uh, at in the Jeremy Baramy episode after they've all after they've learned they're all apparently damned, they're dealing with that. And Cheedy has a breakdown where he he goes to the supermarket in a daze and buys all this stuff he doesn't need, and then goes to his philosophy class and has all this candy like marshmallow peeps and stuff that he starts cooking in an enormous pot of chili (laughs) and and it's disgusting and he's talking to his class about uh different you know they're asking it's an ethics class so they're asking about ethics and he says let me tell you my little cheeky babies there are three there there are several schools of ethics vert there's virtue ethics there's consequentialism there's deontology but i'm going to tell you the truth nihilism (laughs) yes and he's just at that moment of despair and eating his horrible candy chili and (laughs) before he gets re-engaged yes that that, it's cheating at his low point where he's finally just descended into nihilism (laughs) yeah so any last thoughts you want to share on on the good place seasons three and four yeah what is what is eleanor going to do with the calendar after the end of just one year, I, I was wondering what, how that was set up. She left him, he left her a calendar of himself. Oh, cheating. Yes. Cheating, oh. Yeah. And I, and I couldn't help but think, well, she's flipping it and that's going to go by pretty fast. Well, it they're Baramies. So yeah, they're, oh, well, they're, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> but then she's going to have to look at one picture for a whole Baramie. That's going to be a long time. <laughs> I mean, true. not that that's my, like my super final thought, but I mean, I'll let that go for a moment now, but uh, that's just one thing I was wondering about. Uh, anything else uh, we want to, uh, Jimmy? Any any final thoughts on this? I, I thought it was a series that had a lot of promise, and I enjoyed it. Um, and I liked how, and I think you probably, I don't know if you delete your text or not, but after you recommended it to me, uh-huh. and I started watching the first season, I could see where it was going to go in a bunch of respects. I I said, okay, it's going to turn out they're not in the real good place. They're either in purgatory or the bad place. I predicted there was going to be a medium place, and I predicted that the, that the real, quote unquote, real. Eleanor Shellstrop was going to show up. And those things then happened. Yep. Um, I could also foresee what would happen at the beginning of each season, but I liked the fact that they would blow through the obvious and take us into new territory quickly in each season. And so in the latter seasons, I would have a good fix on what's about to happen. But then they would surprise me like they didn't pick up on the obvious idea in season three of, oh, now that they think they're damned, they're actually doing virtuous acts that they should get points for. Right. And I kind of wish they had integrated that into the show in some way, uh, even with just a line of dialogue. So, yeah, you got some points, but it wasn't enough. 
And I, I, I overall, I thought the show was very creative. It was very sweet. It was charming. It was visually interesting to look at. It didn't end the way it it I wanted it to. Um, I didn't think they they landed it the way they should. But overall, you know, would I recommend it to someone as something to watch that's entertaining and interesting to think about? For someone who, sure, you know, for someone who's mature in their faith, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely in my line of work, I'm not going to recommend it at the end of a catechetical session that people go watch this to learn more <laughs> about the afterlife. But yeah. uh, it's definitely entertaining. And, and the thing for me uh, when it comes to, I think especially sitcoms, but any television show is, I have to like the the main characters. There has to be something about them that's endearing that and that I root for them and and that I enjoy watching what they go through. And I I liked all of the main characters. I, I really like Eleanor. I, I just the one liner. She was she was really funny. Um, I, I I you know she would go off in these weird tangents and stuff, and and I enjoyed her. Um, Tahani with her constant name dropping was just so. <laughs> yes. I mean, she brought name dropping to an art form that was I've never seen before the way she would yeah. constantly bring these up. And you knew she was telling the truth that she really right. did have these experiences with these people that half the time I didn't know who they were, but right. I knew she was name dropping, um, you know, and, uh, and, and you never knew what, um, uh, oh gosh, no, Jason, Jason was J- going to do uh, yes. he, his, his, you know, stupidity. And like, when you found out how he got arrested and how he died, Oh, he he had the most strange death, <laughs> you know, and, and he loved him. And, he, and um, even when Michael uh, at the end, when he, you know, he found out he's a demon and what he was doing, you know, he became, you know, this, this likable, you know, sympathetic character as he got on their side, which you just were rooting for him to do. Right. So, you know, I liked them all. And, you know, I, I think that for me, I mean, I liked Chidi, but he was the most frustrating character for me because of his indecision. But at the mm. same time, he's the one guy who I had the most trouble. Why did he go to the bad place? I just because he was indecisive. I I and never really quite... and, and and tortured everyone around him yeah, with his he, indecision. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's, that's a, you know, yeah. Just because you're annoying, you know, and, and <laughs> doesn't mean you know. Oh, annoying people go to hell. That's kind of like what we think they should go, but that's not yeah. really necessarily true. So, um, so but Chidi's character was you know it, it was a, obviously a very necessary character for the whole plot and the whole story to move along, but. I, I liked and rooted for the characters right up until the last episode when they were all deciding to go into oblivion or whatever. And then I was just like, you guys are disappointing me. But, uh, you know, if, I think with what you said, Jimmy, if you decide to watch this, which, of course, people listening to this have already done so. But if you tell someone, you know, if you want to stop watching it when 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 they get to this certain episode, which is the balloon uh, going up in the first season, that might be good. But, you know, keep watching if yeah. you want to. <laughs> in the fourth season. Yeah. Yes. I, I liked all of the characters. I thought they were really sweet. And I love Janet. Yes. Oh, Janet. I forgot about Janet. Yeah. Yeah. She was probably my my favorite. And and you were able to accept the fact that she was a lot more human than she was supposed to be. Than she thought uh, she, she herself was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, or obviously she was supposed to be more of a robot. But I mean, here she had a relationship with a human. And, Not a robot. Uh, and everything. So, you know, <laughs> a very interesting one at that. But yeah. yeah, she was she was great. She was hilarious. Uh yeah. and uh yeah, and she another one of just a likable character where for me for the and the opposite example, I was very happy when uh, Seinfeld ended uh and all they all went to jail for being jerks because I was starting to dislike every one of them uh intensely. Uh <laughs> that's just me, but I didn't you know, their characters were so self-centered and and horrible. They were just annoying the heck out of me. And I was, I was happy to see them. Go to I was happy that they realized that the season should end that way. Whereas right. this one, I, I, I really, I really liked all the characters for all four seasons. That's my final thought on this is that I, I like the, how the characters evolved. I like how, especially Eleanor and Chidi evolved. Chidi at the end, I really liked Chidi. He wasn't annoying. Like he was in the first season. He yeah. finally had reached this, this place where he was no longer indecisive. No, he knew what he wanted. He knew what he could, what, what, what he, he was selfless about his love. And Eleanor was the same way. Uh, you know, she was still a little flawed, but she eventually got to that place too. I like that. Uh, Jason, even Jason in his, you know, silly naivete, there was a sweetness in him and he eventually evolved to a, a certain place. I love that his conception of heaven is living in the hot wing place. 
because uh, there's a part Stupid of me that Nick's hot wings. Yeah, yeah. There's a part of me that is with him on that. I, I have to admit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and in heaven, I don't get heartburn and uh, from, from wings. Uh, well, you can be in Chidi's place with hot wings right there. You know. Yeah, I'll be at uh, dro- there'll be a Drovers in the next room. That a deep cut, a deep Steubenville cut for you, uh, Mike. <laughs> but uh, but I do I do love that 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 the, everyone evolved in, in some ways and became better people through this. And that's one of the things I like about this is that you can like the characters and you don't get tired of them or sick of them or they don't get annoying. Uh, they they became better people. So yeah, and they uh, they get you through all the nonsense that's going on yes. that can sometimes be uh, a little taxing. Uh, you know, especially in right. the end. But um, you know, it 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 makes it it's it's about them. It's a character it's, as much as the whole plot is so crucial and gets you into it. They're the reason you keep watching. So we should probably wrap things up there uh, before we take an eternity doing this podcast. <laughs> so, yeah, we don't uh, want this to be uh, no exit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So before we go, I do want to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create secrets of movies and TV shows, including John M., Jerry M., Luis M., all the M's, Craig B., and Peter D. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of movies and TV shows and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So that's it from us. We'd love to hear from you what you thought of The Good Place, especially seasons three and four. You can let us know by going to sqpn.com slash secrets or the StarQuest Facebook page, or you can send an email to secrets at sqpn.com. Until next time, Mike Denz, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of The Good Place seasons three and four. My pleasure. I enjoyed it. And Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thank you, Dom, and everything is fine. (laughs) And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the Secrets of Movies and TV Shows on StarQuest and Still Not a Robot.